Former President Trump is all in as he announces his plans for 2024. Will there be any shakeups in the Republican leadership positions heading into the next Congress? Plus, the situation at the southern border just got worse. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. I hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with former President Trump, because as I'm sure you saw last night, the former president is looking to become president again. We knew this was coming, and last night, Trump made it official. But we always have known that this was not the end. It was only the beginning of our fight to rescue the American dream. And it's a word you don't use, two words. I don't want to be Joe. It's two words, American dream. <laughs> that was not good what he did. There are a lot of bad things, like going to Idaho and saying, welcome to the state of Florida. I really love it. <laughs> In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. So there you go. The 2024 race is on. In the speech, it was just fantastic. I think it went on a little long and he started to just kind of drone, but the main points that he made were outstanding. He basically just laid out the list of what Biden has done versus what Trump has done. He talked about open borders and Trump's remain in Mexico policy that prevented people from coming over in the first place while they awaited their so-called asylum hearings. He hit on that because right now we have no borders. Mayorkas and Biden, and we'll get to them a little bit later, have opened up the border and we see the flood. We see the flood into the country. Former President Trump talked about unemployment, how it was at historic lows, especially in the minority community. Blacks, Hispanics, Asians, women, all those specific unemployment categories were the lowest that they've ever recorded. And of course, energy independence energy independence, something that was achieved in the Trump administration. And now Joe Biden says we're going to do away with coal. We're going to push and push and push until we've gotten rid of all fossil fuels, except for one thing, that's not sustainable. We can't have the energy intake that we have in America under Green New Deal policies. It's just an impossibility. And then there's the other side of things. There is the national security implications. If we rely on China for these metals and these technologies for so-called green tech, we are putting our fate in their hands. By relying on American energy for American needs, we strengthen our position around the world from a national perspective, a national security perspective. And then one of my favorite parts of Trump's speech was when he talked about the lockdowns, and the COVID vaccine mandates. We know, we know for a fact that those mandates were never needed, should have never happened. They're unconstitutional. And the fact is, we were played for chumps. The vaccine manufacturers and the Democrats and the media said, you have to get vaccinated because it will stop COVID. You won't get it. Joe Biden specifically said that. The CDC director specifically said that. And then... The biggest one, the one that led 
to the vaccine mandates in the first place, saying that if you get the vaccine, you will not spread COVID. We know that's false. We also know that the Pfizer CEO recently came out and said, you know what, we never tested for that. Yet that was the basis for the mandate. People were shunned and shamed and fired because they would not get a vaccine that doesn't do anything that they said it was going to do. So Trump came out and said he would get rid of those and people would receive back pay, military members, other federal workers, for all of those wages that were lost because of an insane policy that had nothing to do with public health and everything to do about government control. Here's more from Trump. Together, we will be taking on the most corrupt forces and entrenched interests imaginable. Our country is in a horrible state. We're in grave trouble. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. This is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. We certainly are part of a movement, a movement against the radical left, this woke radical left that tries to push an agenda that the American people reject. Now, if you live on the coast or you're part of the liberal elite, or even part of the Washington establishment, that's exactly what you want. You want this, this cabal of corporate and media and entertainment and education all working towards more and more control and less rights for parents, less rights for children, less rights for all of you and me. That's what the left is after. And President Trump, former President Trump, recognizes that this movement is real that it is needed and the time is now. So kudos to him for bringing that up and mobilizing people in the first place with his first presidential run and his first term as president to say, this is what's needed. We're going after the swamp. We're going after the establishment. Now, of course, there was plenty of reaction on the left. Joe Biden tweeted this. He said, Donald Trump failed America. He included a video of attacks against Trump based on the economy being shut down over COVID, you know, all those jobs lost because the government was shut down. And then of course, when Biden comes back and things open up, he takes credit for those job gains. It's just ridiculous. Of course, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who also plays a big role in all this, and we'll see how things shake out. He was actually speaking at the Republican Governors Association meeting, and he was asked about Trump's recent comments against him. Here's his response. I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Uh, the fact of the matter is... You know, the fact of the matter is, we, um, it, it was the, the, the greatest uh, Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. So that's Ron DeSantis. You know that he's looking at this race you know that he's thinking about jumping in. Will he? Will he sit it out? Will he just step back and say, former President Trump, you go for it, you do it? Or will he be in the mix? Who else will join in? Who else will make that run for president in 2024? And what I'd like to know is who's your pick?
former President Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, someone else? Let me know in the comments. Okay, next, let's talk about the Republican leadership races following the midterm elections. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, so now that the elections are done, we have the leadership races. As you know, Kevin McCarthy had his sights set on the Speaker of the House should the Republicans take over, and he's had his eye on this for years and years. The last time the Republicans took over, he thought he was ready to go, and then he was ousted at the end. It didn't come through. This time, it looks like a different story. Now, following the lackluster results in the House, there was grumblings, and Andy Biggs from the Freedom Caucus actually stepped forward to take on Kevin McCarthy in the leadership or the caucus vote, the conference vote that occurred yesterday. The vote ended up being 188 for McCarthy and 31 for Biggs. Now, something to keep in mind, and I'll get to this in a little bit later, is there was also other races, and Kevin McCarthy's is just a little bit different. Steve Scalise, he moves up to majority leader, and he's joined by Elise Stefanik as conference chair. There was one hard-fought race, however, and that's Representative Tom Emmer. He won the majority whip spot. He was up against Jim Banks from Indiana and Drew Ferguson of Georgia. Now, all of those races are settled. Those are voted on within the conference. McCarthy's is different. His was just a nomination, basically a voice of support saying, we're going to favor you. And like I said, it was 188 to 31. However, the actual vote for Speaker of the House occurs in January with the new Congress, and it will take 218 votes, a majority of the members, the majority there, to vote for McCarthy. So all of his caucus, all of this conference, all of the Republicans, they voice this re support for McCarthy, but they have to stand united. They have to stand together for that vote for McCarthy to get in. Well, that's just the House side. On the Senate side, it's a different story. Everyone, there was that challenge from Biggs, but everyone kind of fell in line behind McCarthy. Now, on the Senate side, with Mitch McConnell, things are a bit different. Calls for postponing the leadership vote appeared almost immediately following the election, and Florida Senator Rick Scott, he will be mounting a challenge to Mitch McConnell. Here's a story from the New York Times. Senator Rick Scott has launched a bid for GOP leader to replace Senator Mitch McConnell as the chamber's top Republican, a long-shot endeavor that comes as the party seethes over its failure to retake the Senate majority in the midterm elections. Mr. Scott, Florida Republican, announced to his Senate GOP colleagues Tuesday during an intense closed-door luncheon meeting in the U.S. Capitol. It lasted for hours as Mr. Scott and Mr. McConnell lobbed criticisms back and forth, said senators who witnessed the showdown. A small but vocal number of Republicans demanded that change is warranted in the conference, whether it's a willingness to bring more rank-and-file members into the fold on important issues or to elect new leaders entirely. Now, the criticisms against McConnell have grown and grown and grown, and they are certainly warranted. Among them, not funding certain candidates, certain Trump candidates to be specific, in hopes that they would lose because he didn't want that momentum, didn't want that challenge in Congress, this new voice, the voice of America first. Blake Masters comes to mind. He specifically called out McConnell for withholding funding. Then 
McConnell is openly targeting Republicans like Alaska's Kelly Shabaka, going after her with attack ads. In Alaska, this is still more or less kind of a primary because there's multiple Republicans in that general election. He is targeting a Republican, the more conservative, for defeat. That is ridiculous. And then, of course, supporting bogus legislation like the infrastructure bill. M McConnell deserves to go home. And I hope Rick Scott can take him down. Also, Rona McDaniel is being questioned about her position, which will come up for a vote at the RNC's winter meeting in January. This position leads the RNC, the fundraising arm, the arm that gets the message out. And we see over her tenure, Republicans have lost and lost and lost. It deserves to be commented on to question what is going on at the RNC if you have a leader that keeps overseeing defeats rather than gains. That's something that you should measure leadership on. Did they do better? Did they gain? She hasn't. We'll see if she survives. The talk initially now is that she has enough support to carry through. All right, next let's talk about what's going on at the border. And right now what's going on is 2.3 million illegal border crossings this fiscal year. Biden does nothing. DHS Secretary Mayorkas does nothing. Do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. Right. We have open borders, friends. Open borders. The floodgates are open. And now, with a recent ruling, the situation is worse. Here's a story. A federal judge issued an order on Tuesday barring federal authorities from using Title 42, a Trump-era rule that allowed the U.S. to quickly expel migrants who crossed the border. U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan said the policy is arbitrary and capricious and violates the Administrative Procedure Act in his ruling on Tuesday. Title 42 was originally enacted at the outset of the coronavirus pandemic in March 2020, allowing for authorities to quickly expel migrants on public health grounds. The Trump administration used the authority to expel more than 185,000 migrants in fiscal year 2020, while the Biden administration expelled 937,000 migrants in 2021 and 983,000 migrants in 2022 using Title 42, according to Customs and Border Protection data. Folks, this is a mess. And this ruling is exactly what Biden, Mayorkas, and the Democrats want. They want open borders. They want the chaos because they see this as more control because they increase their voting block. They increase voters. They see this as an increase in their constituency, even though we saw Hispanics turning away from the Democrat Party like no other election that we've seen, yet the Democrats are still counting on these low-income, low-information voters to vote for Democrats. That's what they're counting on. Here's Democrat Chuck Schumer revealing what the Democrats really want. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers, but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented. 11 million or however many there are. They don't even know. I guarantee you it's a lot more than 11 million, but that's what the Democrats want. They want this flood 
They want open borders. They want to flood the system. They want these people to disappear into society to become future Democrat voters. All right. Next, a quick update on Twitter and Elon Musk, because the heads continue to explode on the left, but Elon just keeps pushing forward. Now he sent a message to employees to start working hard or find a new place to work. Here's the story. Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, has given employees until Thursday evening to commit to extremely hardcore work or else leave the company, according to a copy of a late-night internal email sent by the billionaire and obtained by CNN. Going forward, to build a breakthrough Twitter 2.0 and succeed in an increasingly competitive world, we will need to be extremely hardcore, Musk wrote in the memo. This will mean working long hours at high intensity. Only exceptional performance will constitute a passing grade. I just love this. Can you imagine? I think about all those people at places like Google or Facebook or Twitter. You know, they're in their little pods. They're getting all one with themselves, but not actually working. Now, according to the news story in the memo, Musk goes on to outline how Twitter will be much more engineering driven and then gives the staff an ultimatum. If you are sure that you want to be part of new Twitter, please click yes on the link below. And that directs staff to what appears to be an online form. Musk said any employee who's done, not done that by 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday will receive three months severance. This is awesome, folks. This is the new Twitter that is fact-checking people like Elizabeth Warren when they say bogus things about the student loan deal, who's coming out and allowing for free speech, which is making the left's heads explode. It's absolutely awesome, and I hope Elon Musk continues to do it. Friends, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on, that way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show will be Friday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.